This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about strategies and ideas for how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week we'll talk about why we might act like a teenager, and we'll answer the ask us anything about writing questions that people sent in. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the five senses, human nature. I'm away from New York City today. I'm in a little room that I've cobbled together full of pillows and makeshift stacks. And joining me today from Los Angeles is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, who became a professional writer before I did and showed me that it was possible. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And Gretchen, currently I'm a writer on strike. Pencils down. Pencils down. Before we launch in, a few updates. One update for me is, as you may have seen, the new app Threads just launched, and I am really having fun with it. (laughs) If you're on Threads, follow me there. It's fun to see how different approaches and different structures spark different creativity and different ideas. Yeah, Gretchen, follow me too. I'm at Liz Craft, and you're at Gretchen Rubin on Threads. Yes, follow us. Another update to note, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I gave the commencement address at my daughter Eleanor's high school graduation. Very exciting. I will be posting the commencement address in the feed on July 15th as a bonus episode. So if you're curious to listen, it will be in your feed. And then Gretch, we got an interesting email from Heather about sisters and accountability. She says... The inspiration of the four tendencies and hearing you two be such supportive sisters to each other inspired my sister and me to develop our own long-term accountability system. We've been doing it for well over a year now, and it's working great. Each of us has our own daily 10-point scoring system. The key is that they are not the same as each other. Mine includes things like meditate, avoid sugar, use my to-do notebook, get to bed by 11, do my PT exercises, etc. 
My sister's includes things like avoid salty snacks, avoid time-wasting games on the phone, 20 minutes of me time. Our point systems are not fixed. Now and again, each of us changes our system as our life or habits change. For example, I used to have a point for no eating in the car, but that's simply not a problem anymore. I no longer think about grabbing a snack when I drive. My sister went from work X number of billable hours each day, she's a consultant, to don't exceed X number billable hours (laughs) each day because she has workaholic tendencies. The point is that every few months we review and update. Each of us tracks our points and reports by text daily. Often the texts are as brief as 10 yesterday or 8 missed exercise and bedtime, but sometimes we chat a bit more and exchange support and encouragement. Every two months we average up the points for the whole two months and the loser has to send the winner something in the mail. It can be anything, just a card or a little gift. Doesn't matter, just a fun little surprise in the mail. We live in different cities, and for years we've been close friends, but it's only been since this challenge that we're in touch on a nearly daily basis. It has brought us so much closer and has helped both of us establish healthy habits and break unhealthy habits. It sounds grandiose, but it's true. It has been life-changing. Thanks for your great ideas and the cheerful companionship of your podcast as I work on my farm. Well, that's fun to hear. Yeah. What an amazing idea. This is great for so many reasons. First of all, as she said, it's like deepening her engagement with her sister. They're both giving each other accountability, which is great. And listen, it's so funny to me because you and I often talk about getting a present in the mail for like a certain despondent mood. I just want to get a present in the mail. Like I just want something, a little unexpected treat to come. So I love that that's what happens if the other person's doing better, that that's your accountability. It's so fun. It's so fun. And it's almost just a daily game with yourself. Yes. I love my Apple Watch and the rings for the same reason. It's just that little challenge for yourself. Well, and if you need outer accountability, this is a really good way to create it in a way that's easy and fun and flexible, doesn't take a lot of time, and yet is consistent enough and specific enough, and the accountability is there so that you really follow through. So I thought this checks so many boxes in terms of a really good approach to habit change. So well done. Yes. Thank you, Heather. The try this at home tip this week is to act like a teenager. And you're talking about the good parts, Gretch, not the part where your emotions are up and down and you're slamming doors and overly hormonal. Right. Well, and we've talked about sort of adjacent try this at homes before. So we've had treat yourself like a toddler, which is what I need to do. I need my sleep. I can't get too hungry. I can't get too cold or too hot. Then there's treat yourself like a puppy, which is you wouldn't deprive your puppy of healthy food. You wouldn't make your puppy work all day long without time for playtime and leisure. You wouldn't (laughs) drag your puppy around and not take good care of your puppy. So treat yourself like a toddler, treat yourself like a puppy, and now act like a teenager. The good parts of a teenager. Yeah. So what do teenagers do that's good? I love this because I feel like people are always giving teenagers such a hard time. So it's (laughs) nice to focus on all the good parts about teenagers. Yes. And they do a lot of things that are really happiness boosting. One thing that teenagers do is they listen to music. I think for a lot of people, when I was writing Life in Five Senses, I realized For so many people, music is a really big part of their life, much more than it was for me as somebody who neglects my sense of hearing. But many, many adults would say, like, I used to play regularly. I used to be in a band. I was in chorus in high school. In college, I would go to concerts. It's something that often 
for whatever reason, our circumstances lead us to spend more time playing music, listening to music, going to concerts. And if this is something that makes you happy, it's a great thing to bring into your adult life. Yes. And then teenagers also talk to their friends often for hours on a daily basis. Yeah. And so if you're feeling detached from your friends, maybe you just need to pick up the phone more or engage more. Here's something funny. And again, this is from Life in Five Senses. I was talking to a therapist and she was saying how people, and she often treats teenagers, that they will self-soothe with potions and lotions and applying Mm. makeup and taking makeup off or putting on nail polish and taking it off or doing their hair in a million different ways. And I think as an adult, you often see that it's tied to vanity or consumerism Mm -hmm. in a bad way. But she was pointing out that it can be very soothing because it's like, you know, I'm a hair twister and I do that to calm down. Or like the way people rub their arms or wring their hands as a way to Mm self-soothe. So that's something that teenagers do that is beneficial that we could tap into. Or just thinking of these things as being a creative outlet. It is fun to paint your nails a different color. And it's a little bit of creativity in everyday life. And so maybe that's something that if you did it as a teenager and you really enjoyed it, that might be something that you would enjoy acting like today. Yeah, I should try that, Gretch, because you remember when I was a teenager, I spent hours painting my nails. I was always painting my nails. Elizabeth has the fastest growing, strongest, most beautiful nails. It is true. And it is also true that you spent hours doing that. I kind of forgot about that. And now I just keep my nails basically short and plain because I don't want to deal with it. But maybe I should get into doing my nails. But maybe this is the kind of thing with the strike that it would be some new thing that would soothe you and give you a little bit of fun and creativity, a little bit of whimsy Mm -hmm. and tap into that teenage activity. And then they also do things like play pickup basketball, throw the ball for their dog, play different games. Puzzles. Yeah. So all those are things we could do. Yeah. When I think about what I did as a teenager that I could do today that would be fun is, first of all, as a teenager, I would do spontaneous things with friends. It would be school and it'd be like, oh, let's go look for a shirt yeah. at the plaza. <laughs> or, you know, we would do something spontaneously. Now, I do not love spontaneity as an upholder, but... Even I sometimes think it's fun to like do something on the fly. Or this is something that I used to do that I loved and I really could do it now, which is to do errands with friends. Mm. I did that in high school. It'd be like, oh, my mom is saying I have to go do X, Y, Z. Why don't you just come along with me? And so I'd be like, yeah, Saturday afternoon, I'll come with you. It would turn it into this whole fun thing. They do some errands. I do some errands. That's definitely something that I could do with a friend now. Yeah. Another thing, speaking of that, is that we used to just go hang out at each other's houses in a very mellow, downtime kind of way. Yeah. Just hanging in someone's bedroom for six hours, you know, again, listening to music, talking, reading magazines, calling other friends. Maybe that's part of why you like cleaning out people's closets. It is that downtime in somebody's personal space. Well, exactly. And you're not being entertained. I think we're so hung up on the idea of entertaining. And as an adult, when somebody comes over, you're like, you're entertaining them. As a kid, I mean, maybe because your parents have to have the responsibility of like, oh, let's offer them a healthy snack. You're just hanging out. But one thing that my daughters do with their friends, and this is something also that could be fun, they just watch silly TV, some silly reality show. It's not TV where you have to like watch every move and everything, but it's just some competition show. And it's something to do. You laugh about it. You're talking about it. You're just talking about anything. Again, it's just 
hanging out, not doing much. But I think you're right about the cleaning the closets. I hadn't thought about it. It's a way to just hang out with a friend for a couple of hours. Yeah. And it's a closeness. Again, you don't get at a restaurant. It's just not the same thing. It's not the same. Yeah, Being in someone's bedroom, hanging out like that, it's different. We never go to friends' bedrooms now. It's it's too private. Never. No, yeah. exactly. Now, Gretchen, another thing, though, that I did a lot as a teenager, which I want to get back into, and I think you are getting back into, which is spending time thinking about your outfit. <laughs> yes. Planning an outfit. definitely <laughs> doing that. And I'm trying to make myself think about my outfit rather than literally just put on leggings and a black t-shirt. Well, and finding it fun, and again, like a creative expression, and it does change your feeling about what you're doing if you put together a little bit of an outfit. The other night, Adam and I were going to dinner, and normally I would just say, I can wear what I'm wearing, right? Which is, again, like leggings (laughs) and a t-shirt, and instead I went and I spent 10 minutes, wasn't even a long time, figuring out an outfit, and I wore white pants and a white shirt and cute sandals and that jewelry. You look great. You sent me a photo. You were so excited. I sent a photo. (laughs) It totally changed the night from just going to dinner into more of a feeling like we were on a date because I was wearing an outfit, so it was just really nice. And then when I changed, he changed. So he also looked nicer. But it elevated it a little bit. Yes, absolutely elevated it. If you would go out to the movies with friends, you'd put on an outfit. Yes. Yeah. These are very specific things and we love the specific and the practical, but I guess the more abstract thing is to try to give yourself a break from adult worries. Mm. Teenagers are sort of beset with their own worries and that's a challenging time of life. I think most people would agree But there's a certain kind of thing that they don't worry about. They're not worrying about adult worries for the most part. Can you tap into these activities as a way to try to recapture a certain kind of carefreeness that would be a good respite from the usual preoccupations of adult life? Yes. So let us know if you do try this at home and how acting like a teenager works for you. And what are you doing to act like a teenager? Um, How are you recapturing that teen spirit? Let us know on threads. We're on threads. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes. This is happiercast.com slash 438 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack related to food delivery. But first, this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. 
Okay, Elizabeth, the happiness hack. And Elizabeth, this is a hack that's perhaps especially useful for you. Yes, I love this. It comes from Olivia. She said, I just finished listening to episode 436 where Liz gave herself a demerit for using meal delivery apps too frequently. When I'm feeling tempted to press the easy button on dinner, I give myself permission to get food from a restaurant, but I have to go and pick it up myself. No delivery. Usually by the time I'm considering delivery, I'm dangerously hungry, so having the food brought to my door seems like the simpler option. But the extra step of having to pick up the food myself provides just enough friction to dissuade me. Often I think to myself, by the time I get in the car, pick up the food, and drive back, I could be done eating something I make at home. Other times I want to eat out because I'm craving one of my favorites, and that's totally allowed as long as I drive there to get it. So this is really, really a good strategy. Now, in my book, Better Than Before, which is all about how we make and break habits, I identify 21 strategies. And two strategies are paired, and they are among the most universal strategies. They work for just about everyone. And it's the strategy of convenience and the strategy of inconvenience. And so what Olivia is doing here is she's using the strategy of inconvenience by saying, it's too easy to do something that I don't want to do, so I'm going to make more friction, I'm going to make it less convenient, I still can do it, so I'm not saying no to myself. For some people, they really don't want to say no to themselves, so she's not saying no to herself, she's just making it more of a pain. And there's all this research, it's hilarious research, showing that if things are even slightly less convenient, we are less likely to do them. And if they are even slightly more convenient, we are more likely to do them. And so this is something that you can use whether you want to encourage yourself to do something or discourage yourself from doing something. You either make it more or less convenient. And this is a great example for exactly the challenge that you were facing, Elizabeth. Yes. And the added bonus is if you do go pick it up, it's much less expensive than having it delivered. So if you do pick it up, you're also saving money because the apps are very expensive. So Olivia, great idea. I'm going to talk to Adam and get us to implement this. And now Elizabeth, ask us anything about writing. This was so fun. And speaking of threads, a lot of these questions came to us on threads. Yes. Um, this comes from Michael. He said, Elizabeth, how does writing a novel differ from writing TV? Is doing one preparation for doing the other or are they really different? Very different for me, Gretchen. I think writing a novel right now feels harder because I haven't done it the way I've been writing TV often. So that feels much easier. Writing TV is all about using as few words as possible. That's one of the main things is being brief, where, of course, mm -hmm. in novel writing, you can use a lot of words and it feels like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to fill up all these pages with words? Of course, then what I find myself doing is overwriting because I'm yeah. trying to fill up pages. So then I have to go back and cut a lot of words. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny because in, in television, it has to be in dialogues at the end of the day. Whereas in a novel, you can really get into the interior monologue, which I love yes. that part. That part's really fun. So they're very different, very challenging in different ways. And also one thing that's fun about writing a novel is you don't have to think about the cost. Yes. Something can explode. You can have 500 characters. You can travel the world because it all costs the same amount to print the page. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whereas we spend so much time when we're writing television thinking about production. So it's very right. different. It's a lot of fun. But also, as you know, I find it extremely intimidating because yeah. I think it's hard to keep someone's attention reading a novel. It feels like a big responsibility. So hopefully something that I'll be sort of dealing with for a long time is both of these things. So these two questions are related. So Joe asks, do either of you write by longhand or do you only use computers? I feel more creative when I write with a pen and notebook, but I can type faster than I write. So I wonder about the trade-off. Well, listen, I don't know about you, but we both have terrible, terrible handwriting. I really can't yes. read my own handwriting very well. So anything that's useful, I put on the computer 100%. I type very fast. I'm like a senior typist. So yeah, far faster than I could handwrite. And then I can search it and cut and paste it. So I don't do anything important by longhand. How about you? Same. The only thing I write in longhand are like notes to myself about podcast segments that come to me. That's it. So they're just like quick notes, not like a yes, running document. Yeah. Nothing. And no. then related, Paula says, do you sit at your desk at a prescribed writing time, even if you don't have a clear idea of what you'll write? Yes, I do. I definitely will sit. I will always just be puttering around with stuff if I don't know exactly what I'm going to write. I've always got a, a lot of stuff to do. So I will. I just head to my desk. How about you, Alyssa? I don't, but I probably should. It's funny because when my job, if I'm working, you know, I have so many things to do. Writing gets fit in wherever I can. Yes, right. And I think that's part of what I struggle with writing the novel is I don't have these prescribed times. So I, I probably should. I mean, the thing about being a showrunner is it's just like, go, 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 go. And there's a million plates that are spinning and it's so intense and it's multifaceted. And now you're sort of writing a novel. And it's a big, yeah. it's like, that's very a very different. different set of muscles. Yes, it really is. And then from Thread, someone with the handle, sometimes a writer B <laughs> asks, how do you restart a project? I have a novel I'd love to finish. I started it a few years ago and life interrupted my momentum and it's been languishing for a while. Mm, that's a good question, Gretch. What would you say? I would say get back into it. Set aside some time every day, like use all your habit formation things to make sure that you're making consistent time for it. And then just reread it. Get back yes. into the project and read through the whole thing without editing it and then find what ways, how you want to start engaging. Like, do you want to pick up and start writing again? Do you want to start at the beginning and edit? A lot of people do that to get back into a project. And I have to say, this could be one a situation where it's not a bug, it's a feature. Many writers, if they can afford it, they will take the time, put something away for six months or a year because they think that when they come back to it, they'll have a fresh eye and they'll be able to take it up a level. So this is the kind of thing where like in the end, it might be to the benefit of your creative project that you've had a little bit of distance from it. Danny Shapiro with Signal Fires. Remember, Liz, she was telling us about that. Mm. She put it away for a long time, then she came back to it and it gave her this whole fresh outlook on a novel. So yeah. it can be a good thing, but you have to get back into it, obviously. And I do think rewriting is a good place to start because I find rewriting infinitely easier than writing and more fun, personally. Yeah. You might want to read the whole thing through yes, because you don't want to start re-editing, yes. but I agree. Editing is so much easier and more fun than writing. Yeah. At least for us. Luke Steven 714 also from Thread, says, I wish I had a writer's room or at least a writing partner. What tips do you have for solo writers who need inspiration, collaboration, accountability, and just plain help to keep going or get through a rough patch? Well, Gretch, I mean, you have a writing group that I think you find super helpful. And I think 
for solo writers, that's got to be essential. Yeah. And my writer's group isn't about really the process of writing. It's more about the profession of being a writer, because there's a lot of things that come up that you sort of don't know how other people are handling it. Both of us, Elizabeth, are big fans of being in groups. But this sounds to me like a straight up accountability problem. So I think Mm. unfurl the list of accountability strategies, use the happier app, the don't break the chain journal. There's a lot of tools to use once you're thinking, what I need here is external accountability. That's what's going to keep me on track. So I would head to those. Yeah. And ultimate accountability, take a class. That's another thing we've talked about. Take an online writing class where you have to turn stuff in. And most of us want to be a good student. That's right. And Malerly says, I'd love to know how writing time is split among different writing activities like researching, drafting, editing, et cetera. Oh, that's interesting. I don't really have a set time, Gretch. I just, if I need to look something up, I look it up. If I need to write, I write. How about you? You spend a lot of time on research. I do, but I have no sense of how I spend my time or like how much is podcast and how much is the book and how much is this and the newsletter. I have no idea where my time, how much am I reading? I have no idea. And my friend, Laura Vanderkam, who's like a time use expert, keeps saying to me, track your hours, track your time. You'll get all these insights. And I just have never done it. I guess it's maybe the lawyer in me doesn't want to do to time tracking. I don't know. For both of us, Elizabeth, it just sort of works out. We don't overthink it and we just do what needs to be done. Yeah. So maybe that's the thing is you don't have to have necessarily a plan. You just have to think about what you need to get done. And Michael asks, how do you take your work from a single idea thought line into a full fleshed out piece? Well, I mean, isn't that the the million dollar question? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for me, because I work with a partner, it's a lot of talking. We go from an idea to notes for a pitch to a pitch to an outline, and we'll talk about a scene and then go off and write the outline for that scene, like take turns, and then we go to script. So it's a long, many-step process. And I think it's similar for the novel as well. I mean, we did the same thing, idea to discussing it with notes to making something more formal. How about you, Gretch? So for me, like I'll have an idea or I'll have often a question that I want to answer or like something that I want to figure out. And I always start with research. So it's tons and tons of reading, which just means tons and tons of note taking, often throwing spaghetti against the wall, anything that appeals to me, anything that strikes my interest, anything that surprises me. So there's a lot of note taking that ends up just never paying off because it represents dead ends. And then at a certain point, I'll know a subject well enough that I'll be like, wow, I have a theory of the case, like with habit formation. I'm like, I'm starting to have my own views about this stuff. And then it's the problem of the structure. And the structure is always very, very, very difficult to figure out. I think if you look at my books, you would think she just picked the most obvious structure there is. (laughs) Every time it was just months of labor to get it. And then I realized, well, I need to do more research on this because I don't really know the answer to that. Or this is something where I have got way too much on one thing and not nearly enough on something else. And so once I have the structure, then I start seeing what I need to fill out. And then often we were talking about cutting out stuff. There's often a huge amount of cutting out. I mean, for my book, Life in Five Senses, I cut out probably three times as much finished material that was in the book that ended up coming out. That thing, I left so much on the cutting room floor. So that's a big part of it, of getting to the final thing too, is what do you leave out? Yes. Oh, yes. Which people often ignore that part in talking about writing. 
a lot of it is cutting. Yes, <laughs> it is. And Aaron wants to know, Gretchen, what's the name of the monitor thing you like? Oh, yes. This is the thing that if you have a laptop and you want to have three screens instead of just one, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like X-Beck or Z-Beck, X-E-B-E-C, Tri-Screen 2. This is not an ad. I am just a fan. And finally, our last question comes from Melissa. She says, let's say you want to write about a personal experience that close friends and or family might be offended by. Other than changing the names, how do you approach that? Well, you and I are people who do not like to do this. We do not write anything that we think someone that we know will be offended by. However, this is a question that comes up a lot. One thing I know people do is they change more than the name. They change other details. So a different job, a different gender, if possible, different place in the country where the person lives so that you really can't tell who it is. Now, that person, though, if it's depending on what the story is, they still might recognize themselves. So essentially, you have to ask yourself, am I okay with this? And writers feel very differently about this. Some people feel... This is my lived experience, and I'm going to write what I want to write. And other people will show somebody a chapter in a book and say, are you okay with me publishing this? So it really comes down to your personal philosophy. It really does. Uh, Absolutely. 100%. Very well said. Well, what a great bunch of questions. This is so fun to think about. Thank you for everyone who sent in and asked us anything. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Coming up, speaking of writing and reading, I have a reading-related demerit, but first, this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with the class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. 
Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And half your listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, it's time for demerits and gold stars. This week, Elizabeth, it's your turn to talk about a demerit. What is this reading-related demerit? Okay, Gretchen, well, you know I've been touting my love for audiobooks. Yes. And yes. I've been listening to a ton of audiobooks, which has been wonderful. However, I think I've tipped so far into listening to audiobooks that now I'm having trouble keeping my focus to read Ooh. an actual book in my hands. Mm. Because when I'm listening to a book, I can do other things. I can yeah. be getting ready. I could be playing a game on my phone. I could be making a snack, whatever it may be, walking. But reading, you really just have to sit there and read. So I think I need to work on my reading muscles and get them back because I also love to sit with a book and read and I don't want to lose that. Okay. I have a suggestion for you. Oh, okay. So you love to read by the pool on vacation. Yes. That is the apex of the holiday feeling. Yes. So maybe if you're finding it hard to get into it, the next time you're like in that situation, really, really make time for it and really say, okay, this isn't just for fun, but this is part of my re-engagement because you've always loved it your whole life. I think once you get back into it, especially if there's a book that you really love and you, you think, I can't listen to this book, I have to read it. You will. It's like riding a bike. It will come back. But you do have to just sit still and read. I mean, I feel like I exercise sometimes so that I'm not so restless that I can actually sit down and read for many hours. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Well, I will try that, Gretchen. I will report back. What is your gold star? Okay, this is a gold star that I'm giving to someone whose name I do not know, but I hope that this message will reach him wherever he is. Whoever you are, you are the gate attendant who was wearing the green glasses, that was very conspicuous, at gate A29 in the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, American Airlines, the flight from Dallas-Fort Worth to Newark on June 23rd. We were delayed many, many hours. The crowd was not happy. And whoever you are, gate attendant, this person had so much charm, so much understanding of people's psychology, funny. It was like crowd work, you know, Uh when like stand-up comics do crowd work. I was like, he totally changed the experience for all of us because he wasn't denying what we were. It was this whole thing like, don't deny people's feelings. He was making fun of the situation and himself. And anyway, I tried to get close enough to see, but I couldn't see any kind of name tag or badge. And anyway, I probably wouldn't want to say the person's name because that's maybe a little bit weird. But if you wear green glasses and and you work in that airport, Don't think that nobody appreciated you because I want to shower you with gold stars. Oh, man. I wish I had a video of that. I know. know. But it went on for hours. It wasn't one 20-second thing that he (laughs) did that was good. It was like, this was constant. Oh, and it was one of those things where it was every half an hour it would bump back. So it wasn't even like, okay, I know now it's going to be three hours. It was half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. Anyway. 
the resources for this week, we were talking about writing and when it comes to creativity, that's a thing that we hear from people all the time is that they share the aim of wanting to write more. It can be hard to figure out how to establish a writing routine for yourself. We got questions about that. So if you want to set aside time for self-reflection, novel writing, working on your thesis, recording progress on a challenging project, short stories, keeping a gratitude journal, any kind of writing, in the Happier app this month, there is a jumpstart just for you. It will last two weeks, and the jumpstart is meant to help you establish a writing routine that's just very manageable, customized, designed around whatever your aims are. The week one is prompts about mapping it out, who, what, when, why you want to do it. And then week two is about keeping going and getting going. And that is starting Monday, July 16th. Go to thehappierapp.com if you want to check it out. And Elizabeth, speaking of listening to books and reading books, what are you reading? I am listening to The Guest by Emma Klein. And I am reading Infinity Gate by M.R. Carey. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Act like a teenager. The good parts of being a teenager. (laughs) Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram and threads and TikTok at Gretchen Rubin. And I'm on Instagram and threads at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, Really do it this week. Send it to somebody who wants to write. Send it to somebody who wants to act like a teenager. Send them the episode. That is how most people discover our show. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Elizabeth, I wish you could see the situation, my recording situation. I got pillows. I got lamps. I've got wires everywhere. I knocked over a glass of water. It's it's a mess. Take a photo and send it to me. I want to see. I will. I will. I will. It's great to be able to do this on the move, but it's not a pretty sight. (laughs) From the Onward Project. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.